Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast. We got a voicemail here first from uh, Stanley Allen, a uh, brand new Patreon supporter of the podcast. Thank you, Stanley. He's taken advantage of his uh, membership there and uh, checked out the House of Mayors, John Linnell's EP, uh, the House of Mayors Patreon episode featuring me, Dana Williamson, and Lydia Siksinski talking about the entire EP, and he has some thoughts there. Hey, Greg. This is Stanley Allen. Uh, I'm calling about the recent uh, Hall of Mayors episode. And, uh, wow, it was really fun to listen to you guys talk. You all seem like you've got a, a lot of fun musical experience, you know, to, to draw on while you're, while you're talking about John Linnell. It's great because, you know, he's really just the music man. He loves the melody, harmony. It's fun to hear, you know, him playing with all this, you know, how do you squeeze all these fun musical experiment, experimentation in with pop formats and, and making uh, melodies and singable things. You know, that's really a big obsession. You know, it, it just kind of puts me in the mindset of state songs and a lot of, you know, microtonal things he's doing lately. It's really cool uh, and, and to hear that. And, and I, I never spent a lot of time with the Hall of Mayors music. And, you know, hearing you guys talk about it, I went back and looked it over. It was really a lot more to it than I had spent time on before. So and I remember, uh, you know, you talked about the big Linnell sound there in the House of Mayors, the final song on the EP. Uh, you said it reminded you of the end of the tour, and I agree. That's really, it's got a lot of feel like that. And also it, it reminded me of the song Answer. There's a part in there where I almost expect here, you know, all this time, because the, the melody and the, the harmony kind of come to a point where you just expect that. It's really a great show. Everybody had some good inputs. You know, uh, Anna talked about that surf guitar there on DeWitt Clinton, you know. It was really cool uh, to think about that and the sort of 8-bit video sounds, video games had that sort of 8-bit sound, and he threw that in there too. Anyway, uh, you all have a, a really fun time, and I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing, you know, some more fun discussions about this great music. Take care. Now, there is a uh, a juicy, meaty 40 minutes free preview of that, but it is a two-hour full episode if you become a Patreon at the $5 tier, which also will get you our brand-new magnets that are incoming and uh, T-shirts when you hit a certain level. So go to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. Thanks for calling in, Stanley, and on with the episode.
my mother was the sea I called school each morning when it occurred to me That life's just a mood ring we're not allowed to see And this is what it said to me My room's comfortably small Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast The song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time They Might Be Giants I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with Owen Blaufus to talk about the song Absolutely Bill's Mood off of the self-titled debut. I'm insane. I'm insane. Hey, Owen, what's up? Um, What's up? I already said hi to you. Hi. Um, I'm reporting to you live from my little dorm room where I'm... Not allowed to leave without a mask because COVID lockdown, but... Yes, of course. Um, where do you go to school? I go to WPI, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. Oh. What, uh... What, wait, is the town Worcester? What's the, what's the town? The, the town is Worcester. Yes, yeah, okay. It, I'm in, like, central Massachusetts. Yes, okay. So, uh... So, like, uh... T- how, how far are you from Lincoln, Massachusetts? Well, uh, so I actually live in a town east of here, which is like right next to Lincoln. Ooh, um, nice. So when I was in, when I was in high school, my parents every week we they drove us to church, and I'd be looking out the windows like maybe I can spot John Flansburg's childhood house. It's supposed to look really cool, right? The problem is, the problem is Lincoln is really like bougie. Maybe I shouldn't use that word. Oh, yeah. It's very fancy, so a lot of the houses look like they could fit that description, but I don't think I ever saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's never uh, given out his address, so who knows? <laughs> Are there pictures of it somewhere? Would you know what it looked oh, like yeah. if you saw apparently, it? Apparently, apparently, it was up for sale uh, a couple of years back, and the listing is still up there. There's photographs of it. What's funny is that there's like um, there's art from the Else and some they might be giants albums on the walls. You can tell that his parents still owned it oh. and still had some of his stuff up. Like, look what my little boy made. I you do know? remember that going around now that you mention it <laughs> that's pretty cool oh good parents that's so cute i love that oh and your first time on the show you sure is you need to tell everybody about how you got into tmbg so i do um so i had i feel like my dad is the sort of slightly nerdy person similar to who i am i go to tech school i study robotics it's not a huge surprise that i'm into they might be giants but um i was exposed to some of their songs like randomly stoichiometrically as a kid uh i am a paleontologist i really liked when i was little because mm-hmm. i wanted to be one um older my dad showed me also when i was a kid and i thought it was really cool um <laughs> And like a couple of scattered instances, but I only really got into They Might Be Giants in late 2017. I was a senior in high school, and yeah, I was in high school in 2017. <laughs> I might no, you had a really you had a young guest recently, but I was gonna say I think I'm younger than Seymour, and they're more or might be on the very low end of your um, age scale. Yeah, you're close. You're close. Um, but I was really into a band called Lemon Demon, which. I'm guessing you haven't heard of, but is really big among the I, teens nowadays. I believe there was a TMBG cover of theirs that we 
that I played on some episode. I can't remember what song it was, but I believe that... Bird House in Your Soul? Possibly. Yeah, yeah. That was a yeah. very early Lemon Demon. That's infamous for being a very, very young cover. But uh, the guy's in his 30s now, still making music. It's cool. I was really into Lemon Demon. I was in, like, a chat server... And I heard that a new album by They Might Be Giants was coming out. And I knew that Neil Cicerigo really liked They Might Be Giants. And I thought, oh, that's cool. So I joined like a new chat server to talk about the new album. And while we were waiting for it to come out, because it was I Like Fun, it hadn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. I listened to all the 2015 Dyla songs. So my introduction was actually the album before uh, the 2017 one. I found glean and nanobots on cd in a barnes and noble so i bought them and yes <laughs> um that was a gateway drug i don't collect things normally but i now collect cds i've got um pretty much all of they might be giants on cd most of lemon demon uh don't get into physical media kids <laughs> cds are the best yes I've, yes i've got a problem as well <laughs> I don't buy as many as I used to. I mean, it's hard just, you know, it's so easy to stream, but I do, you know, you feel bad about it a little bit sometimes. But yeah, uh, I Like Fun was my first album. I got it. I I was having a kind of a tough winter. Things were happening. And I was really happy to be distracted by a new album and kind of fell in love with it. And I think most people who know me know me from like 2018 because that was when I first kind of entered the larger fandom and was really all the time into they might be giants i've calmed calmed down a little bit but i was like a super fan for all of 2018 (laughs) yeah i'm very impressed by a lot of uh you young fans that i meet that have gotten into them so recently and have so quickly devoured all of their material because there is so much there that there's a lot yeah i feel like someone who gets into them in just two or three years and is able to get that familiar with their catalog is it's very impressive. Well, I also listen to things very spotty. I, I have a weird track record with music, whereas most people would probably think I like music because all I ever do is post about music, but I don't like music as a rule. <laughs> what? <laughs> like one of the things that I'm going to talk about this more when we talk about absolutely Bill's moon, but one of the things that, Music gets very boring to me very quickly. But they might be giants. It's hard to get bored with because a lot of the times each separate song is completely disjointed from the first. Mm-hmm. So it catches my attention over and over again. Mm, yeah. So one of the things, one of the consequences of me not listening to music like a normal person <laughs> is that I only listen to full albums. I can only like sit still for that long if I have to such as if I have it on CD. So I've only listened to the They Might Be Giants albums in full. The only ones I've listened to are the ones I have on CD. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So, but I've so, listened to like scattered songs. I okay. just don't know. I know that, especially in the early days, they knew that everyone would be getting it in physical form. So they put a lot of thought into what order the tracks go in. And unfortunately... If I don't have the CD, I will have listened to the tracks in completely random order on YouTube. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thus thwarting their clever planning. So you'd say you have not devoured their entire catalog by now? Um, I think I've hit all all the high points. I've hit... I have by normal person's standards, but um, people could still show me up with, like, I don't have factory showroom, and therefore I wouldn't be able to, like, reliably identify if a song is from factory showroom okay. there's a couple of random albums okay. like that okay yeah 
Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I was I was the kind of guy that uh yeah, I used to have a rule that when I got a new CD, I wouldn't listen to it until I knew I had enough time to listen to the thing in full. I didn't want my first listening experience to be stopped short and have to, you know, uh, stop it, you know, on track four or whatever. I had to make sure that I had enough time allowed to uh, listen to the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. I used to do that just yeah. to force myself, like listening in the car when you know you're about to be on a long trip. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, there's, uh, me and my wife used to do something on road trips where we'd attempt to listen to a band's entire catalog in a row. Oh my gosh. Uh, now that's, I mean, that's not something you could do without stopping really, but I remember doing it like with Modest Mouse and Elliot Smith and stuff like that. I don't know if we ever attempted They Might Be Giants because even back when we were doing that, that would have been so <laughs> long. It would have taken so long. <laughs> Well, also, things like Modest Mouse has a very specific sound, I feel. I mm-hmm. haven't listened to a whole lot of their stuff, but it's immediately identifiable when it's a Modest Mouse song. They've got a very specific way of writing a song and singing a song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas They Might Be Giants, like, absolutely, Bill's Mood, if you threw that in with anything modern or really anything on the Pink album, it immediately sticks out like a sore thumb. So I think you mentioned when we were messaging back when you picked your songs a while back that absolutely bill's mood was did you say it was the first song you ever heard by them i did leave that out of my introduction because i wanted to talk about it when i said why i picked it but yes i um, spoiled it i'm sorry (laughs) no 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 uh that's that was a great transition you're so good at this um i did i picked it because when i was 14 actually so way before i was a senior in high school um again back to i don't listen to music like a normal person but there was there's this whole thing this whole culture of people would make uh fan mixes for tv shows that they liked especially like animated tv shows and i was really into gravity falls i don't know if have you ever watched no i have not no it was big if you were 12 in 2012 you might have watched it and thought it was cool (laughs) uh which i did but there were these like sites online called like eight tracks where you could make your own fan mix and share it. So I was looking for songs to make my own gravity falls fan mix. And because I don't listen to music like a normal person, I was doing this by reading the lyrics of the song to see what one sounded interesting. And then if I thought the lyrics sounded interesting, then I listened to it. And then if I liked it, (laughs) I put it on, (laughs) which is completely backwards. Wow. Yeah. Reading it. It's a void of melody or chord progression or anything else. That's uh, yeah, that's an interesting way to do it. I yeah, it certainly is. So the thing about Gravity Falls is the antagonist is a dream demon called Bill who drives people insane. So I was <laughs> oh. immediately I read these lyrics and was like, okay, this is perfect. Now I have to listen to it, and I was really surprised. Like I said, I. I was completely taken off guard at how it sounded. And specifically, I remember the bridge where it's got that clap, 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 clap. Thank you. Yeah, they paused. I laughed yeah. out loud. I was, not, <laughs> I was not expecting that. It surprised me so much that I immediately ripped it off YouTube, start, sorry, and put it on my little MP3 brick. And it was one of the, like, 20 songs I always had on me when I was... Um, that old because I just I heard it there and it surprised me so much yeah. in a good way that I I kept it around. 
So that was the first They Might Be Giants song that I found myself, I knew immediately that I loved, and I kept listening to. Okay, but this was technically after your dad had let you listen to a few tracks? Yeah, but it was, that was like, I was in elementary school, my sure. dad was like, oh, here's a song, and I listened to it once and had no agency to go look it up again. I just remember vaguely hearing it and singing along to it. Gotcha. Yeah. So absolutely, Bill's mood was when you were you were starting to find your own musical tastes, and it just yeah. happened that uh, you worked your way back to TMBG. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, I think my music taste has not progressed beyond what I've what I heard in like 2013 in various <laughs> Gravity Falls fan mixes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, this is definitely an interesting song to get you into the band. Because usually the typical story is that some very poppy Linnell song will get people into the band, and then later they'll be able to get into the weirder songs. But in this case, it was the other way around, and the song that grabbed you was one of the most bizarre songs uh, that they've ever released, I think I could say. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fairly safe. It's not mainstream USA, but that's that's pretty close. <laughs> and it sits right in the middle. It's It's in... You know, the, the Pink Elm, I love the Pink Elm. It is just chock full of these weird tracks, but usually it's something like a, a more melodic song and then a weird one, a more melodic song, then a weird one. But this is just sandwiched. It's sandwiched right in between Boat of Car and Chess Piece Face. So it's this little tracks 13, 14, 15 uh, little, little collection of just really bizarre stuff right in a row. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah, testing the fandom there. It's like, you know, if you make it to the, the B side of the pink album, you know, this is, this is, you know, can, if you can make it through are these songs, enough? you are a true, they might be giants fan. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be, to be honest, I did like, I think when I was in 2017, what finally convinced me that I was going to listen to like all the discography, it was like a race and the other recent big Linnell pop numbers. So I am guilty of that as much as anyone else. And in fact, I think I'd sort of forgotten. I'd thought of that. I thought of absolutely Bill's mood as such of like individual standalone thing that it did not occur to me that it was on an album. So when I listened to the Pink album through for the first time, it was like, wow, this song sounds like the 80s. Wow, this song sounds like the 80s. And then it got to absolutely Bill's mood, and I was like, this song sounds like <laughs> being in 2014 for some reason. <laughs> like, I'd imprinted upon it in a weird way that I had not imprinted the rest of the album. I was kind of surprised, because mm. it doesn't, it also doesn't sound like their voices, especially not in the new material. So it took me a while to make that connection and realize, like, that's that's literally the same guy. Yeah, yeah. Flansburg is kind of singing with this big booming voice in this one. Uh, it's fun when he does it. Too bad he doesn't do that as much anymore. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I miss from the early albums is the kind of country pastiche songs. Yeah. Like number three and Alienations for the Rich, those kind of songs. They haven't touched on that in, in quite a while. Yeah, I was going to talk about that with regards to... Um, oh, let me call up the... This with Eugene Chadbourne because mm -hmm. he sent me his stuff that that's very country and while I don't think of this itself as being a country song I find it fascinating that someone with such country influence is on the track which makes sense with how 
very country the rest of their stuff is for some reason very yeah so yeah the very first thing you hear is this wild acoustic guitar solo so the the story is that um they put in a special long distance call to greensboro greensboro north carolina where eugene chadburn had just put his kids to bed to avoid disturbing them he gently played his acoustic i don't know if gently is the right word he gently played his acoustic guitar into dubway's answering machine that was the studio without musical accompaniment or guide so how do you yeah it's like how do you come up with a guitar solo when you don't know what the chords are underneath you just play whatever weird avant-garde thing that you can come up with and it it's it comes out pretty bizarre and awesome (laughs) i think gently is the right word because hearing his other stuff you sent me he's holding back because he can really rip it out but the absolutely bill's mood solo is quite very chill by comparison, I honestly. Know, I don't know. There's there's some fast stuff in there and there's it's it's just wild. I mean and Good. yeah, and I would think like, oh, that's just one take. I mean, he's just doing it into an answering machine. I imagine just like straight off the top of his dome. But yeah, we should let uh the people hear some other stuff that he's done. So uh, the Hello CD of the Month Club that Flansburg headed up in the early uh, 90s. Um, yeah, Eugene Chadbourne put out an EP in July of 1993 th- through the Hello CD of the Month Club. And I just sent that over to you. Uh, what track off of that should we play for the peoples? Um, I think people will vote because I have things to say about that one. Okay, well, here it is. abandoned warehouse 11 years old sifting through the rubble trying to find his missing brother bewildered like everyone in this freezing town faces pressed up against the walls of the cafes trying to read what the death notices say they died to eat They're not criminal They died for bread That's not bad or good And people will vote for whoever gives them food For the third day food failed to arrive The crowd marched on the depot Demanding supplies They knew about the food drop Made the week before And only four men there To guard the door They died to eat They're not criminal They died for bread That's not bad or good And people will vote whoever gives them food yeah so that one uh, struck a chord with you yes uh well specifically because when i heard people will vote i immediately or the full phrase in the song lyric in the song is people will vote for whoever gives them food and immediately i thought to 
deep cut, The Turtlenecks, which is mm-hmm. John Flansburg's like free They Might Be Giants band. His song In a World Without Food, it doesn't have the awesome like finger picking that's going on there, but it's got the same themes and the same sort of same lyrical themes and a similar very country sound to it. John Flansburg, I think wanted to be a country musician before he realized he was better at rock. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, don't, I mean, yeah, because that the first album does have those, uh, those country-ish songs. I also I think that's coming from Flansburg a lot more than Linnell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I wanted to play everyone something newer I found from uh, Eugene Chadbourne. This is a live recording doing a cover of the Dead Kennedy song, Nazi Punk's Fuck Off, which is a fantastic song. But it's mixed... With Foggy Mountain Breakdown, which is this old Earl Scruggs country bluegrass kind of song. This uh, really speedy banjo riff that's in there. So it's a, it's a bit of a mashup, and it's, it's very interesting. So let's listen to that. It's another Irish band, the Dead Kennedys. religious cult punk means thinking for yourself you ain't hardcore when you spike your hair when a jock still lives in there nazi punks nazi punks nazi punks fuck off nazi punks nazi punks nazi punks fuck off nazi punks nazi punks nazi punks fuck off I've heard the original, I think I have, but I also think I could not understand any of the lyrics and therefore did not remember it. I'm very lyrically focused, if you haven't noticed by literally everything else I've said so far. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I liked being able to understand what was being said and I really liked the, uh, I mean, what else is there to say other than he's really good at that finger-picking stuff. It sounds great. Yeah, that, that riff, the Foggy Mountain Breakdown thing. I think that's one of those things, it's like every guitarist needs to learn how to play Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. Every banjo player needs to learn how to play Foggy Mountain Breakdown by Earl Scruggs. <laughs> I think Good. it's one of those rites of passage, right? <laughs> right, you say, as though I've ever touched a banjo in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I have, but I'm not good at it. You sound like you know what you're saying. Oh, I, t- I always know what I'm saying. I'm, I never talk out of my ass, ever. <laughs> uh, so the title of this song, when I first heard it, uh, I first got actually the uh, then collection that has both Pink Elm, Lincoln, and all the miscellaneous T stuff. Uh, just looking at the title of the song, Absolutely Bill's Mood, I just thought it was the most bizarre title, and I didn't really make any sense of it, not thinking to look in the 
booklet or whatever and notice or put two and two together and notice that Bill Krause is the guy that produced that album. I never put that together when I was younger. I was just like, this is just a weird They Might Be Giants title. Yeah, for me, I think it was grandfathered in. You know how, like, with Star Wars, Star Wars is an incredibly dumb thing to name something, but you hear, <laughs> I, for me at least, my, we hear it, you hear it so early, you're just like, yeah, that's cool. It gets grandfathered in, you don't question it. I was like, yeah, absolutely, Bill's mood is about Bill Cipher. The antagonist of Gravity Falls, and I never questioned it again. Like, I was Even though the song to... came out, you know, thirty years before that show. Yeah, it just <laughs> it made so much sense on the surface level. I didn't literally think it was true, but that was enough of an explanation that I never questioned it again. Well, it's just you know, it's it's uh, what the Giants would want. They want you to make your own interpretation of the song, so they you know you purposed it to fit your own. Uh, Interest. Yeah. yeah, so why not? I'm delighted. I'm delighted that it's about Bill Krause, though. Um, should I not bring up your rival podcast? But, um, no, go ahead. The, We're the, not rivals. <laughs> sorry, no, that was a joke. That was a joke. Um, they did that great uh, interview with Bill Krause, and to be honest, again, I, I'm easily mixed up. I'm confused Bill until listening to that podcast with Jamie Kitman in Gigantic, so I kind of expected him to be Jamie Kitman, uh-huh. um, and was surprised when he was not. But he's a very interesting guy. I found him very, very um, articulate. And he also has some very weird opinions, like he loves absolutely Bill's mood and Spider. And I respect that in a man. He was talking <laughs> like, he was speaking eloquently on Bach and classical music, but also he's like, my favorite They Might Be Giant song is Spider. And the hosts were just like, <laughs> good on you, man. <laughs> yeah, so do, does he get in moods? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he does. Uh, one thing I read, I can't remember where I found it, was that they were having some sort of mechanical issues or something, some equipment issues when they were recording that album that he was getting frustrated with. And I think they were just giving him grief about that, about being in a mood or something like that. <laughs> What I think is funny is Flansburg keeps accidentally inventing, like, internet meme phrases way before they are a thing, in that, like, saying, oh, big mood is something that people say a lot, like, on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and so people are making jokes about this song because it fits perfectly into there. Just, like, now now saying, like, vibes or, like, that's vibes. Mm-hmm. People don't say that's vibes. I'm no. showing my age here. But, like, the teenagers use the word vibes all the time. But... Uh, John Flansburg, he had the term vibe report back in the 2010s. He started that. Yeah. Or back in 2010, he started yeah. that. He's ahead of the meme curve here. <laughs> for the moons and vibes. And the other thing just threw me off is just like, it was such a weird phrase. Absolutely Bill's mood. Now, yeah. on the wiki, there's not a citation about it, but apparently it absolutely is inspired by Bob Dylan. He has a song called Absolutely Sweet Marie, which does obviously contain the phrase Sweet Marie, but the absolutely is never in the song but it's just such a weird thing like that absolutely like she's absolutely sweet or what it, I just, it's just a weird combination it of make words grammatical sense. no it doesn't so yeah absolutely bill's mood again like i just looked at the title and oh it's just they might be giants being weird i don't know there's yeah and there's no, no mention of bill or absolutely in the song <laughs> i i like it it's it's open-ended I like right. phrases that suggest that there is more around it that you're not seeing and lets you sort of flail mentally for what that might be. Right, right. 
and it it's it's good to know that Bill uh, Krauss still really likes it because obviously it's like they uh, are completely exaggerating any sort of possible mood that he might have been in. Uh, you know, saying that perhaps these uh, equipment failures they were having were driving him insane, and they just took it to the nth degree. <laughs> I kind of get the feeling they just wrote the song, and then they were like, oh, "We gotta name this something, don't right. we?" That's yeah, that's the other no. the other way it could have gone. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If we don't have a title for this song, we can't just call it "I'm Insane." That's just too too on the nose. Too on the nose. <laughs> uh do you want to talk lyrics first or musical elements first um i will talk lyrics because i actually have this may surprise you i have nothing to say about the lyrics in that i think they're nonsense and i think they're intentionally nonsense now i am known for having very long and very convoluted explanations (laughs) of things that sound like nonsense but i really think this one is supposed to sound like a crazy person, mm-hmm. and by reading too much into it, you're kind of doing the song a disservice. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what we do here. We got to read into that's it, true. right? That's true. <laughs> but yeah, just uh, insane ramblings, and I mean, it's it is one of the more maybe the individual phrases are not straightforward because they're just you know wacky, but that the song is about an insane person, it flat out says I'm insane, which uh, in a lot of you know, probably a hundred They Might Be Giant songs, you could figure that the narrator is insane, but it doesn't come right out and say it. I'm insane. You know, this person realizing that they're insane and that they're in a rubber room. (laughs) I think, I think They Might Be Giants tends to attract people who are somehow on the neurodiverse spectrum, who are, have some degree of brain weird. And I think a lot of that is because they have a really good and sort of respectful way of approaching having a, a not a protagonist, a narrator who in some ways experiencing some very brain weird thing and is <laughs> taking the experience seriously. It's being taken seriously in the song. And this song does not do that. I don't, I think this song doesn't, it, it uses a very like cartoonish, exasperatingly cartoonish like, Oh, I'm going to get locked up in a rubber room because I hear voices. It's right. not a very like interesting or respectful take on that. Yeah, which, maybe not. It's an outlier because a lot of the time they do a lot of the time they approach that with a lot of like thought and sympathy and this one's just kind of like, "Woo!" <laughs> I <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, I was born in a lighthouse. My mother was the sea. Uh it, yeah, life's just a mood ring that we're not allowed to see. And this is what it said to me, because mood rings are supposed to uh, show your your emotion or whatever. I don't know. I've never had a mood ring, but this person is having emotional you know, very well. issues. They're heat sensors. They're heat sensors, right. Whatever the, what kind of, st- I mean, there's some kind of stone or what? How do, I don't know the deal with those things. Are you Googling mood rings? Um, I'm Googling <laughs> something else, but yeah, they're, they're like just a heat sensitive color and hypothetically you I don't know your pulse gets faster when you get happy mad or sad so they're like "Ooh, it's changing color that means your emotions are changing but it could just be i don't know you ran up a hill right right it, 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 just, it like, was the first them in their uh, mouth to get them to change color <laughs> this was the precursor to the fitbit it was a mood ring yeah you know, i gotta get, get my heart rate up enough to get this thing to turn red or whatever <laughs> so the person in this song 
yeah, it does seem like they're they've they admit they're insane, and they're somewhat fine with it because they're saying my room is comfortably small, and it all just sounds kind of like not like they're they're not upset about being insane. It kind of like they they've they've resigned themselves to it. Yeah. And I think if you want my metatextual analysis, or my textual analysis, sorry, for why I think this does not mean much, I think specifically the bit, now listen all you swingers, don't you try and tag along. I know monkey see, but monkey's dead. For you, it would be wrong. It's basically saying, like, don't don't try too hard to figure out what this one is about. It's like, there's a <laughs> Lemon Demon song that ends on the lyrics, don't enjoy this private screening. This one doesn't have a meaning. And that's how I feel mm. about this. It's saying, like... Mm-hmm. This is just really fun to say. These words are incredibly fun to say. It's I love singing along to this. But I don't think any individual line can be plumbed for some deep and new understanding of the song. I think it fairly says what it wants to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that yeah, I love that twist on monkey see, monkey do, monkey see, monkey's dead. Um, yeah. I mean the the one other thing I was pulling from it was the put a dime in my jukebox, you'll only hear the song kind of you know how if you get a song stuck in your head or you hear a song too many times uh it could drive you a little nutty (laughs) it won't be fun for long (laughs) you'll only hear this song so is is this person referencing the is that a meta uh thing that they're referencing the song that they're currently singing i don't know it's a little on on the nose about being about an insane person and yeah not as uh perhaps respectful of some of their later songs about this is also really out of left field but this reminds me of uh schoolhouse rock what is the (laughs) the noun song do you remember the noun song Mm, i don't remember that particular one now it reminds me of this literally just because both of them mention uh a a lighthouse and both of them actually i don't even think they both mention a lighthouse one just mentions going to on the uh to the statue of liberty on a ferry and then it mentions putting a diamond in a jukebox. That's the only mm-hmm. only reason I connect these two. No. But I do also think about that. Oh, can I share some lighthouse facts? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, right. Um, so I meant to get the date for these facts that I'm about to say up beforehand, and I didn't, and I can't Google while I'm talking, so I've been unable to find exact <laughs> dates. But... Um, so I actually have this book with me. You can see it, but no one else can. I've been reading this book about... Famous um, lighthouses, lighthouses in New England. Okay. In New England by Edward Rowe Snow, who um, I also watched a documentary about lighthouses, and Edward Rowe Snow was in it because apparently he was very famous. Uh, he like he was called the Lighthouse Santa or something, and he, <laughs> he <laughs> drove a plane around and dropped care packages for lighthouse keepers. But hmm. uh, the thing is, lighthouse keepers... That's not like a job you can have anymore. People don't seem to know that, but lighthouse keepers are—that's not really a thing anymore. In the 1970s, actually, late 1960s, early 1970s is when they started automating lighthouses. And oh, that early! They were pretty hmm. much all auto. Like by the time this song was written, a lighthouse keeper already kind of wasn't a thing. Sure. So. But people are so estranged from the idea of lighthouses. I forget where where are you? You're landlocked, aren't you? Oh yeah, Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah, I'm in New England, and people here love their lighthouse imagery. It's on like, <laughs> it's on all the signs. It's a big advertising thing. Like, oh, we're in New England. Here's a lighthouse. Here's a 
here's a lobster so you remember where you are. Right. But I feel like people know pretty much nothing about lighthouses. There's there's a kind of romantic imagery about it, like that that solitary life, you know, helping keep the the ship safe in your lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. But as are, anyways, as a result of the fact that they've been automated, a lot of these things are falling apart mm. and they no one's taking care of them anymore. So there is this local preservation act that was passed fairly recently in the past 10 years, I believe, where either a either a local nonprofit can just like claim a lighthouse and now they own it. So now it's their responsibility to take care of it just because the government is not doing that anymore. Mm. Or if nobody claims it, it goes up to private bidding and private people can buy lighthouses now, like oh, wow. public lighthouses. They used to be a public thing. and um, But then it's their job to take care of them. So this is a long ramble to say lighthouses are very cool. If you live in a coastal <laughs> state, find out who owns your local lighthouse and see if it's in good condition because a lot of them are at risk of not being in good condition because lighthouse keepers are not a thing anymore except for like educational and entertainment purposes mm-hmm. when some that are high traffic have a lighthouse keeper literally just to talk to people who come by sure yeah like on a tour yeah i wonder how much a lighthouse goes for these a days lot. <laughs> very much a lot yeah i bet <laughs> Though I also was briefly like super excited before I looked it up and realized that like a cheap lighthouse is still probably more money than I will ever have in my lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Not like I could take care of one, but I was just like, oh, I could own a lighthouse for a moment. The American dream popped out in me and I was like, (laughs) I'm nothing but an temporarily embarrassed lighthouse keeper. But that was not to be true. (laughs) Uh, what do you like about the musical elements of Absolutely Bill's Mood? We've talked about that solo a little bit. What what else do you like about this? Yeah, so um, I'm not a big music person, so I can't speak to that as much. I kind of feel like when Sean Patrick Cook was on your show, um, I, I relate to him and his, like, he's got lots of ideas about the lyrics. And then when it comes to the music, he's like, oh, that sounds cool. And that's kind of how I feel about it. I like how... I like how it's very sparse. Yeah. That's something I like about the Pink album a lot. And I think that's something that John Flansburg is coming back to, is that he he gets strong musical ideas and then tries not to overproduce them. You can split things up into like five different lines, and that's kind of it. You've got what? You've got the vocals, you've got the guitar, you've got that sort of foghorny sound. You've got the drum machine, and I think some synthy bass. Yeah, yeah. Bow, is that bow, it? Bow. Yeah, just about. I mean, the only yeah, and the only guitar in the song is uh, Eugene Chadbourne's solo. There's no other chords throughout, and that solo happens at the beginning, and it comes back a little towards the end. It's a little more tucked back into the mix with this little kind of these little scratchy parts coming in later. But there's no big guitar chords. There's no electric yeah. guitar or anything like that. I think there's almost like a, a rule that John Flansburg occasionally is just like, I get five, I get five tracks. That's it. And he does that in like, I like fun, the song too. And like, yeah. Poison A, there's just not that many tracks there. And I, I like it when he does that because it does not overwhelm my simple mind and I can follow all of the various musical things that are happening in it. Yeah. Flans can definitely appreciate uh, some minimalism. 
on tracks. Yeah, all the way starting back from here, and yeah, that, that newer stuff. That I like fun title track is a very very interesting one. I did that episode with my wife. That was a fun one to do, uh, for sure. Were you talking with Abby? Abby Bash. Yeah. Yes, her. She was saying like, as a result of that sort of simplicity, those songs translate into other mediums really well. And I agree with that. Um, when we move on to the covers, I think there's a lot of... They sound really good in all those various ways it's played. Yeah. And um, I also appreciate that because I think one of the only ways I know anything about music is that occasionally I open up Beatbox, which is like a little sequencing, mm-hmm. like MIDI sequencing thing, and I recreate a song in it. And I can only really do that if I can hear all of the... if I've can split it up into my head into each one of the tracks and recreate it like that. And I appreciate a song that lets me hear every part of it and learn something from deconstructing it like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is very simple. And just like the synth bass and the drums hitting together underneath the verses. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. And that the drum machine is one of my favorite things about this song because it's just so bizarre and it's definitely it reminds me of uh, i can't remember i'm definitely going to paraphrase the quote but saying something about how they didn't think they could possibly have a live human drummer because their drum parts would just make them go insane because they're so bizarre but yeah this you this, haven't this, met marty yet <laughs> i know yeah and when we play the live version you'll see he does a really good job with it but the yeah the um yeah just all the weird like stops and starts and that big yeah that i think you described it as a foghorn sound that did it's just like such a wacky part to come up with and i'm just imagining the fun that they had programming it on their you know ancient 80s <laughs> drum machines back then it's just uh it sounds like they really had a lot of fun in those early days just experimenting with the whatever the new technology was at yeah, the time absolutely. yeah and I do like the uh, just the sinister nature of this. This uh, the music really fits the lyrics. Like lots of times, the music and lyrics are are at odds with each other. Like you'll have a very happy sounding melody, but you know something about someone going insane. But in this case, they they gel completely. And the song being in B minor uh, with a pretty pretty well. It's got a couple different chord progressions that happen throughout it, but pretty simplistic rhythm and chord progression uh, in a minor key really fits with the uh, kind of the demented nature of the uh, the narrator. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah. And the you mentioned the the crowd applause sample before, and w- one thing I was kind of thinking that he might be alluding to uh, sometimes. Yeah, people with kind of emotional or, or mental disorders may have like an illusion of grandeur. And this person in this song is picturing large crowds cheering for them. And they're saying, thank you, thank you. And that's, Yeah, talking to yourself almost. Mm-hmm, right. And that's another fun drum machine part, just the, um, it's all toms. It's, yeah, it's such a yeah. wild part, yeah. <laughs> and and when we get to the covers, I believe there's only one where the the cover artist even attempts to do that portion of the song. Most I was going most to say people that. just cut off right before that. They're like, we're not even gonna. I don't even know what to do with that because there's no. I mean, if you're doing it on guitar, there's no chords in it at all. There's no notes. It's just toms and 
crowd noise. So that, people that are kind of at a bit, loss. <laughs> yeah, that was the bit when I first heard it that made me like, "What the heck? What is going on here?" It made me like excited and confused and what that's what caught me on the song and everyone's like no we're not they might be giants we can't pull that off and no one else tries come on (laughs) another uh fun bit of trivia in this song that i was having trouble pinning down the um so in new york magazine in uh, 1987 the band said they, they were threatening to sue uh, Crazy Eddie's Electronics, because in a commercial, they had used uh, like a sound-alike of Absolutely Bill's Mood, which I think is wild, because this guy, obviously, he went by the name Crazy Eddie, and he was the kind of guy where he's like, our prices are insane, and stuff. Yeah. so it's like, you know, he had happened to have heard this song, and the band declined letting them use it, so they wrote a sound-alike, and I was searching and searching for to see if I could find the clip of this commercial. And there are plenty you wanted to hear of, the sound-alike? Yeah, and I could not find it. I found Me plenty too. of 80s, uh, Crazy Eddie's commercials, and they are bonkers. But on these these TV ads, he was typically using something really energetic, like uh, William Tell Overture, something really fast and brassy, some big fanfare. Uh, but I, I, I wasted so much time looking because I could not find a sound like for Absolutely Bill's Mood, which I think it would just be a wild soundtrack to a commercial. Absolutely. And uh, I went to John Eulis too. I'm like, have you, have you ever heard this commercial? And he said, no, it's probably, you know, all the YouTube stuff, it's all TV ads. But he's like, this might have just been some radio spot and... No one happens to have it. They were recording something off the radio at the time and they caught it on cassette. I don't know, but it's not, it doesn't seem to be out there, but I, I tried, I tried. It, I, I also think it's wild that they're running into copyright issues this early. This was what? 1987. Mm-hmm. They, they've hardly made their big break, which I mean, I don't know much about the industry for all I know that makes them more vulnerable because it's harder for them to like legally fight back but it's crazy that someone has already tried to like rip off their bit when they've only been a band for five or six years or five years barely that yeah and so it's crazy eddie's i believe is based in uh the stores in new jersey somewhere but um it's just a funny song for the person to have heard because it's not you know even if they were getting played on you know kind of more independent you know public radio stations or whatever you probably would have been hearing Puppet Head or Don't Let Start or something like that. You know, yeah. maybe Crazy Eddie is a, is a fan and uh, uh, bought the record to hear the, you know, the cuts late in the record and, and absolutely Bill's mood. I'm Crazy Eddie. I want this song about being insane in my commercial. <laughs> it sticks out. It's like a, it sticks out. It will. It's hard to imagine someone coming up with a sound alike for this one. Like you'll see that a lot in commercials where, um, yeah, it's a sound. You're like, this sounds a lot like the Shins or whatever else, but it's not them. It just sounds a lot like this one song. But for someone to be like, you know, that really wacky song, Absolutely Builds Mood, that's, that song's killer. I'm going to make one that sounds like that. How do you come up with a song that sounds like Absolutely Builds Mood? It sounds like nothing else. <laughs> well, I think that that almost makes it easier because you're like, if I do anything in the vicinity, it's going to sound like this because it's so yeah, far out there. Right. But then you have no plausible deniability. It's like, oh, I just like accidentally made the second weirdest song you've ever heard about being insane. Um, 
It was a complete coincidence. I just thought it up independently. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was. I was talking about my uh, my uh, my uh, father is a lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. No, my father is to see. My mother was. A, I was born in a lighthouse. Yeah. My. You know. My. My parents own a lighthouse. That's where I was born. It's my own thought. This is my own song. I swear it's original. Should we let people listen to the live version from first yeah. album live? Yes. So yes. Rec- recorded in 2013, they played through uh, the entire album. They did that a few times around this this time. But the song has only been performed, you know, uh, or documented on the wiki as being performed 23 times. So this is one of those 23 uh, in 2013. And uh, I like one of my favorite things about this album is the the. I mean, They Might Be Giants are famous for their hilarious banter. Uh, I believe it was on the Rabid Child episode. We played that uh, that clip. They say something about, like, we didn't just remember these songs. We had to go back and listen to it. Because there's these songs that they don't play a whole lot. They're like, wait, what chords did we play? And and they've also been known for referencing the wiki for set lists and stuff like that. I wonder if they've ever gone back to the wiki and be like, oh, right, it starts on B minor. That's right. Okay. <laughs> you can't even say they're old anymore it's just 800 songs right how can you expect them to remember this oh my god yeah and can you imagine you know the uh coming into the band you know like the, the, well the latest member to join was marty and be like oh my god how many songs do i need to learn <laughs> and just yeah. learn, learning them in chunks like what are we playing on this tour okay what are we playing on this tour but yeah anyway let's uh let's let people listen to this version Just a moon ring we're not allowed to see And this is what it said to me My room's comfortably small with rubble on the walls And there's someone always calling my name He calls when I'm alone And he calls when I'm not home And he calls when I'm stuck out in the rain I'm insane, I'm insane, I'm insane <laughs> okay i have opinions on that yeah let's hear them uh first of all i assume it's dan miller doing the finger picking does a great job i think at recreating that the intro yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the it's too bad like i said don flansburg doesn't really do the voice anymore i understand why he says that like actually speaking lower makes him lose his voice faster but mm-hmm. it sounds cool come on john flansburg i demand your suffering for my art um <laughs> and i mean especially with how rarely they play this song you know just gives, gives yeah. that little taste but um what i really really like the voice effect on the thank yous yeah. because they're very they're very echoey and spacey Thank you. Thank you. My room's coming. 
and it's different from the album, but it still sounds really good, and it makes me even more like, come on, people who are doing covers, you could do something interesting with that. They Might Be Giants thought of two different interesting things to do with that. Like, you're not They Might Be Giants, but come on, you can you can try. <laughs> You'll be weirded out by the by the interesting part. I love that they kept the uh, the crowd sample yeah. in there. But I think of, of what might have been a fun thing to do is to, because they've done stuff with crowd participation in the past, before they start the song, request that everyone cheer especially loud on that part of the song and try to get real crowd applause in those those parts. Yeah! Thank that you. Would be, <laughs> first of all, I think that would be brilliant, but I also think I don't trust crowds to get that, considering they have hard times doing a hard time doing things like chanting people or apes when being told to. I feel like figuring out those very weird intervals might be a lot. But what if, what if they did something like Spy, where it's like they hold up your fist and you cheer when they they put their fist down, you know? You right. get, they could figure that out, and then it's up to the people on stage to play the crowd like an instrument. That'd be cool. Right. Flans could they cue them. do that. Right. This, this is, is your signal to cheer. Idea. <laughs> I think you should write to them and tell them this. Yeah, when when they play it for the twenty fourth time, you should try this. <laughs> yeah, and we keep uh, alluding to these covers. Should we should we get to this covers section? Uh, yes. So let's first listen to Hank Green. Uh, this is Hank's channel on YouTube, uh, and this dude is is pretty popular. This cover has twenty five thousand views here. Let's check this out. Well, I was born in a lighthouse. My my mother was the sea. I, I crawled to school each morning when it occurred to me that life's just a mood ring that we're not allowed to see. And this, this is what it said to me. Said my room's comfortably small With a rubber line in the walls And there's someone always calling my name He calls when I'm alone And he, he calls when I'm not home And he calls when I'm stuck out in the rain I'm insane, I'm insane I'm insane I'm insane, I'm insane, I'm insane Now listen all you swingers, don't you try to tag along I mean, monkey see him, monkey's dead for you, it would be wrong Do you know much about the Green Brothers? I do not. Like I said, they're popular, but I don't really know about them. But I do know I've played his covers before on, I believe, the She's an Angel episode and the For Science episode. I also don't know that much about them, but I know that they're quite popular, and therefore I will try not to be too mean in my... It's not that I don't like them, it's just that I find them quite easily to make fun of. Uh, Much like They Might Be Giants is easy to make fun of to outsiders. I mean, he's playing this cover on a guitar that says, This machine pones noobs. Like... Well, do you know what that that's a reference to? I know what it's a reference to, and I think that makes it stupider. <laughs> Woody Guthrie's iconic, yeah, This Machine Kills Fascists is just an amazing just piece of, you know, uh, photos of him with that guitar. Just amazing. But putting this dumb internet slang onto it uh, as a parody is uh, it's a little 
little lame, in my opinion. It's a little lame. Um, I think he actually, he sounds great on it, um, which I don't think the point of this song is sounding great, but, like, he can sound great and does. Um, and he leaves out the bridge. Like, his voice is amazing. I just think it's a funny choice with the song, um, because the song does not demand respect, but he gives it respect anyways. Um, <laughs> and I think that's interesting. And he's he's covered this twice. I found one really? from like five years before this where he covers it as well. Um, and he says in that video, he says, uh, introing the song, something about it, he's like, uh, this is one of my earliest favorite They Might Be Giant songs. And for six for about six months, it was uh, the only They Might Be Giant song I listened to or something along there we those go. lines, which I think is, is, is crazy. Uh, but yeah, the one thing I like about his his little twist on this is that he doesn't, adhere to a strict tempo there's a lot of like pushing and pulling with the tempo and he kind of uh gives it a more i guess lyrical quality instead of uh being real strict with the rhythms the original is incredibly like metronomic it's very bang 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 it's Mm. very um i don't know music words it's staccato it hits all the points very solidly and he Mm -hmm. does he's not it's almost a little bit jazzy yeah yeah. uh, (laughs) jazzed it up yeah yeah. it's a cool interpretation it's not what i would have done but i think it is cool he pulls it off oh yeah for sure yeah uh and he's obviously had practice at it since he posted it before oh yeah (laughs) let's move on to uh puppet head and this is not the band the puppet heads who i've played before this is just someone that goes by the name puppet head this is over on bandcamp puppetheadbandcamp.com uh, and this is a instrumental piano cover. By the by piano cover, I'm assuming you mean like MIDI piano. This is MIDI, correct? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's way I too was, perfectly locked into the beat to not be. Or I, I was played al- it on a MIDI keyboard, you know. But yeah, it's definitely not a real acoustic piano. I was also surprised when Puppet Head was not the Puppet Heads. <laughs> there there's like a limited number of big name uh they might be giants references you can name your band, I guess. Yeah, so it's it's not surprising that there was more than one person that used that. <laughs> I'm going to need my cover band, the Absolutely Bill Moods, and no <laughs> one's going to get us confused with anyone else. My favorite thing about this is there's this crazy piano run around 50 seconds in that has nothing to do with any sort of melody that's in the original. I sort of assumed that was 
making up for the bridge, because this one also does not attempt the bridge, in doing something interesting and unexpected in the middle, but that wasn't the bridge. Because I think the bridge does kind of um, lean pretty heavily on voice and drums, which this contains none of, so they improvised, and I do respect that. Now let's jump to, actually I'm going to jump out of order here, let's jump to Daryl Till and we'll hear a uh, more human uh sounding piano version of this song daryl till the most uh the most covers on this podcast daryl till holds the title for being on the cover section more than anyone else let's listen to daryl till's version from uh, i believe this is from his his, his early s- session might have been when he first joined youtube he put up a ton of shit in 2008 so wow. this is him playing absolutely bill's moon in 2008 on an upright piano and i love what he does with this what he turns the guitar solo into at the beginning. I was born in a little house, my mother was the sea. I called school each morning when it occurred to me. I love how he ticks the tempo up a notch. He really powers through it. And he's such a percussive piano player. I love it. It's just got so much power. I, I like, I do really like this. I think you're right. The um, sort of piano run, the disjointed piano run going into it sounds really good. He che- he's got, I don't know music words, but he's got to have changed one of those chords, right? There is a chord. Like, she calls when I'm alone, she calls when I'm not home. Yeah, well, yeah. Good on you for picking up on that because that is just such a minor thing that I, I'm, I'm pretty sure what he does there is in that calls when I'm not home and yeah, calls when I'm alone, calls when I'm not home. Goes from a B minor to an A, back to a B minor, and I think that second one he plays is a B major. It's very interesting and makes it feel even more off kilter than the song already does in like a really cool way. I think. Yeah, it definitely gives it kind of an uneasy feeling, which works for the song. Yeah. Um, I also can't tell if this is the audio quality or a creative decision, but I think the pronouns were changed to she calls and I'm alone, and she calls and I'm alone, which makes yeah. it feel like it's talking about like not a new disembodied voice, but it sounds like, I don't know, talking about the sea again. My mother was the sea. But mm, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing maybe it just wasn't it wasn't intentional, and just the, you know, as he's getting into it, he's focusing on the piano part and just all of a sudden, you know, switch the pronouns out. I don't know, yeah, I thought that was interesting too. Um, yeah, which which makes it sound almost like, you know, if the narrator and like you know Daryl, the, the narrator's a guy, and it's someone actually calling him, <laughs> actually calling him on the phone rather than a voice in his head, it would give you a completely different kind of uh, interpretation of the song. <laughs> Let's move on to, let's head over to SoundCloud to hear J. Williams Friedman 
do absolutely builds moon. So this is a soundcloud.com slash J dash Williams dash Friedman uh, doing absolutely bills mood. And he says, I did another team BG cover because the mood struck me. Yeah. I was born in a lighthouse, my mother was the sea. I crawled to school each morning when it occurred to me that life's just a mood ring we're not allowed to see. And this is what it said to me. My room is comfortably small with trouble out of the walls, and there's someone always calling by. I think of all the ones you sent me, this one's my favorite. It's cool. What do you like about it? Um, I don't know. It fills it out. I know I was saying that one of the things I like about the original is it's very esoteric and strange and sparse. Um, so I don't really know how to justify that I really like this one when it is not that esoteric or strange or sparse. It just sounds really good to me for some reason. Um, it, it fills it out. And it really works. Yeah, I think, you know, it takes a lot of risks in in changing it so much. And that is something to be applauded with the cover is changing it up. Like the drums never stop. Like in the original, yeah, it's just those hits. Dun, dun, dun. And this, it's almost like, well, it almost starts sounding kind of like that outlaw country Johnny Cash kind of. Yeah. And then maybe when, when the electric guitars come in so big, it's almost more like a punk feel. Well, it never loses that like. In the background, it's almost like picking up on the country influences in an interesting way. It's very cool and it makes it a lot more propulsive, more than the herky jerky nature of the original. Yeah, I think I, I like it for the same reason I like They Might Be Giants more rock stuff. I don't know, it, it can be weird and also just a good solid rock track at the same time. And I think this one is, is fun to listen to. Yeah, and, and great songs can be interpreted a bunch of different ways and still be great. So that's a, a testament to even a song as weird as this. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to find so many covers. But I think we're going to go with the weirdest one last. And this is uh, back to YouTube. Someone that the YouTube channel is just listed as PK. And uh, <laughs> this one, also featuring a very cute dog, uh, is a, a dude who has split screened himself four times wearing the same t-shirt in different colors and has a euphonium, a Casio keyboard, uh, a vocalist, and then uh, hitting a, a metal bucket with spoons as the percussion track. <laughs> so let's listen to this one. There's also a bit of drama in the middle. I should also point out that uh, in the description, it calls it a cover of Out. Ab- TMBG's absolutely Bill's Moon and cover is in quotation marks. <laughs> I was born 
not, it's the rain. What? It's the rain. Stuck out in the rain and not that rain. Yeah? You said the rain. He's right, you know. Who cares if it's that or the? It, you have to say the right notes, man. I didn't even get them that wrong. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. You gotta do your job, man. Oh, like playing euphoniums that hard. Oh, I, I'd like to see you try. Whoa. Hey, 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 guys. Calm down. Calm down. Let's just start from the top. One, two. No, I'm sick of this. We keep starting over for stupid stuff. Let's just run through the rest of this. No more stopping. Fine. And play the right notes, keyboard. Oh, seriously? Yeah, if I'm gonna get called out for dumb stuff, I'm gonna call you out on notes. Oh, you think keyboard is so easy? How about you come up here and say that to my face? This is why we practice beforehand. Well, like you practice at all, baritone. At least I have a real instrument. You're not even using a real drum set. It's a different aesthetic sound. You're using a metal bucket and spoons like a poor person. One thing if you had a rhythm. Hey, you stay out of this, Butterfingers. <laughs> Butterfingers? What does that even mean? Okay, shut up, all of you. We're picking up where we left off. Hit it, drums. No. Dude, come on. I'm not playing until you all apologize to me. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Keyboard? I'm, I'm not apologizing until you apologize. Me? Yeah. Okay, fine, I'm sorry. Okay, sorry, drums. Okay, we all good now? We've all apologized, do we have to? Well... You know what? Let's just say sorry on the count of three. One, two, three. Sorry. sorry. We good? Ready to go? Okay, hit it, drums. Now listen all you swingers, don't you try to tag along. I know monkeys see, but monkeys dead. For you it would be wrong. Put a diamond... You gotta do your job, man! <laughs> okay, you know what? I really respect this one. <laughs> I really respect what's going on here. Love the little four-way skit, and all I was thinking is like, he had to have timed this thing out exactly. He's got to be doing oh, some yeah. cues there. I think that this one, I could almost listen to this one if it was mixed better. I know, I know, I think it was presented as a joke, very obviously, but I could almost listen to this one right. if it was mixed better and the like drum sound was a little bit less bad <laughs> because he's just he's just hitting <laughs> the bucket. Like a bucket. Um, <laughs> but I I think this one is in the spirit of the original song in a way that the rest the rest wanted to be good and they succeeded at being good and this one. But this one, this one gets it, you know? Yeah, it's just fun and it's experimental in a way similar to that the Giants were experimental in their early stuff. I wouldn't put it past them to put, you know, a, a bucket on a song. I don't think that they have, but uh, hitting a bucket as part of a song, it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility for they might be Giants. Oh, yeah, this feels like, it, it also feels very manufactured live show banter. Oh, I don't know, Joe. Um, right. I also love how he, he yeah, the, the timing is great, but he's also looking the direction of the, the split yes. screen person that's talking to him, the other version of, of him, which is, it's impressive. Yeah. But I just love that euphonium as a uh, that too. trombonist, trombone being my first instrument. I love just that low end brass. It, it works really well as the bass line. <laughs> yeah, that too. I really like it. Love it. Okay, before we get out of the cover section, I have something to send you that I just found this morning that is not a cover, but a uh, we got a song here that has a sample of Absolutely Bill's Mood. I'm just going to send you this link over, uh, let's see, I'll send it over Messenger for you. Ooh. Okay, this is a hip-hop group 
named Clipping. I know Clipping. Clip. Oh, do you? So, um, they, I should say, I they have one album that I've listened to a lot and love, and the rest of it I don't really know. But I really love the album Splendor and Misery. It's like this sci-fi story about an insurrection on a slave ship in the future when humans have been kidnapped by aliens. And I love it so much. Go check, go check out Splendor and Misery by (laughs) Clipping. Good album. Now I will listen to this. Yeah. So, well, it's a really long track. The part where you're going to hear both a sample of Spider, you're going to hear the ah from Spider, as well as the little guitar intro of Absolutely Bill's Mood, starting at, this is during open Mike eagles guest uh verse on this song if you listen starting at about four and a half minutes you're going to hear the spider stuff come in first uh-huh. and then closer closer to five minutes you're going to hear the absolutely builds mood part stuff so let's listen to that portion of this song all right we all assorted bones thrown in a sack of flesh i wonder what that actress gets for being on the bachelorette i don't know what's on all of my broken rap cassettes but I won't trash them yet, and I don't know why. I'm in a crew with all solo guys. We got our own secret language, plus our logos fly. I really think so. Like I was turning Japanese. I also think that you can make poison from churning apple seeds. So don't drink with me. I ate a gummy bear recently that put me on every possible frequency. I bet you didn't know that shit. Mission accomplished. This is a pompous missive. Admittedly, it's dishonest. If the skeletons in your closet are having a keen senyata, then it's... That's awesome. So that makes a lot more sense now that I know it's open mic eagle. Because I was going to be like, clipping? Mm-hmm. What, do, what do they have anything to do with? Uh, they might be giants. Open mic eagle. Well known. They might be giants fan and former guest on the podcast. Absolutely. I... I I love it. That's like, and it's such a weird part to sample. Like when I was doing some Googling and I found out that this was sampled, I was expecting like maybe, maybe the dun, 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 the drum part. I was expecting the drums to be sampled. Really? Not the. I would have expected the foghorn, but I really respect taking the most interesting part because it doesn't really fit there, but it doesn't really fit in the original song either. I think that's kind of the point of it. Right, right. Yeah, this uh, song is over six minutes long. It has a ton of really interesting, unexpected samples. The very beginning of the song uh, features a Sonic Youth sample, with which is basically them plugging their guitar into an amp, and then there's some echo put onto it. But there's also Cannibal Corpse in here. There's Nirvana in here. Uh, just there's a lot of really crazy stuff in here. Um, yeah, it's a it's a wild track, and and this group clipping yeah i hadn't heard before this but they sound like a a hip-hop group that's willing to take a lot of chances and 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 do a lot more experimental kind of stuff sounds very interesting splendor and misery check it out yeah yeah we are to the portion of the episode where you need to score this song oh okay so um i took this i chose this song because it has special meaning to me and i think most people do not care about this song much so I thought, um, like, there's a lot of songs where I think I would have something interesting to say, but I think someone else would like it more and deserves it more. And I don't know if I feel like absolutely Bill's mood is not very low. And honestly, mm-hmm. it, I understand that. And I'm going to score it kind of low because it's not an, really an easy listening, fun, artistic song. It's just it's just weird and surprising. And <laughs> that's. 
that appealed to me, but I'm not going to argue that it has some great um, lyrical merit or that it's doing something completely new. Though I, I do love the phoned-in guitar thing. I sort of forgot I was going to have to rate this, huh? So what are the, what are the, <laughs> what is your highest and lowest score so far? Uh, my own personal scores? I haven't kept track of my guest scores. Um, sure then. Uh, I've only given a handful of tens. Dr. Worm. Okay, ten, but, uh, She's an angel. What's the lowest, what, what are the lowest scores then? Uh, the lowest score I've given, I believe, is to, off venue songs, Austin Stubbs. I gave that a 4.9. That is my lowest. 4.9? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of split on whether to give this, like, I wish I had, I, sh- I should have thought up a formula beforehand. Um, like, <laughs> I was so impressed when Sean Patrick Cook suddenly was like, I have this number to as many decimal places as you want. I will give you the formula. I am not messing with you. I respect that greatly. Should have done yeah. something like that. Didn't. Oh. Yeah. Um, Let's let's give this like a solid five point five out of ten. Oh wow, you're going really low. Well, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm yeah, giving this no, on it's... the absolute scale of like. Right. I, they might be giant songs are always going to score high. <laughs> you know, this mm-hmm. is yeah. It's it's hard. I think I think that makes things like the ratings page meaningless because. Nothing gets below a six. If you just made six a one, you'd finally get meaningful differences between mm. each song. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fractions of a percentage point, but no one wants to rate their favorite song low. I respect absolutely Bill's mood a lot, but yeah, um, I'm. If the top of the scale is she's an angel, it's not. It's not like a nine. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna go a little higher. I think I'm gonna go six. Um, just because I, I really respect the artistic chances that it takes and the, the bizarre elements of it, I think really encapsulate, uh, Flansburg's more experimental tendencies in the early days. Um, but yeah, as a song, like we've discussed, like it's not their most, um, nuanced take on, you know, mental illness. <laughs> so and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't so, really have, yeah. I think anything super exciting artistically, to say other than just being like fun and surprising and a lot of their songs are Mm -hmm. fun and surprising so in the general context of they might be giants there's a a lot of interesting stuff out there we are not so starved of interesting that absolutely feels food has to be the end all and be all though for sentimental reasons i do still uh i like listening to it for that reason Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely not a track I would skip. I well, yeah, and I'm definitely an album listener as well. It is. It, I will enjoy it when it comes on. But yeah, it might. It's not going to make a greatest hits playlist for sure. Maybe this is too late um, in to say such a controversial thing. But I <laughs> what what I skip is very unpredictable, and I always skip the captain. So. <sighs> I love the cat. My my judge I wouldn't ever skip absolutely Bill's mood, but my judgment of what to skip is very strange because I am aware that everyone likes that song. I just always skip it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh now it's time for plugs. Plug your stuff. Sure. Um, what do I even have plug? So I guess I do a I do a little radio show every Thursday night of music. Oh, cool. that I like and that my friends like 
If you like, they might be giant. Lemon Demon, Tally Hall, Dan Deacon, uh, Jack Stauber. I don't actually ever play Willowood in the tape forums, but I keep promising I will. Um, <laughs> like weird new internet bands like that. Oingo Boingo. Um, mm-hmm. I've sort of pretended that they're all one genre. I'm calling it telephony. Um, and <laughs> go and come and listen to my show. It's at Thursdays at 5 to 6 p.m. EST on radio.wpi.edu. Uh, tune in. It's also got all the other shows. I've got some friends who do other shows, so you can check those out. And for pretty much everything else I do, because I also do art, I do a lot of They Might Be Giants fan art and little mm-hmm. comic scenes, other things, anything else I've created, and more information about my radio show on uh, my NeoCities site. GeoCities is dead, <laughs> but NeoCities is back. I coded this from scratch. Wow, I've never had to say this out loud before. I'm realizing it is not optimized for sharing out loud, but bluefoot.neocities.org with both O's being zeros, like blue F00T.neocities.org. I sound like an it's NPR person having site. to spell out the URL like that, but you understand. I, I love you calling back to an era of the internet that is before you were born, but these, these 90s, 90s looking, it's such a, didn't you say you were, were you born in 2000? Yeah, but GeoCity shut down like 2008. Well, yeah, but it just looks so 90s. It does not look 2000s to me, but maybe, My side, maybe that's, that's true. that kind of that's stuff. That's also because I'm not very good at new HTML practices. Oh, it looks awesome. Thank you. It's, it's retro and just it, it strikes just the right co- nostalgia chord for me. Yeah, yeah, everyone should go ch- <laughs> check that out. And people can find This Might Be a Podcast all over the place. This might be a podcast.com. Hear a bunch of covers, me and my friends at This Might Be a Podcast.bandcamp.com. Uh, Twitter is a good way to give me thoughts on things. It's uh, at This Might Be a Pod. And uh, email me, this might be a pod at Gmail, and leave me voicemails, 224-801-2930. And, oh yeah, I'm using the Instagram a little bit more now. That's just, this might be a podcast with underscores under all of the, or between all of the words, rather. And uh, if you really like what I'm doing, you want to support all the time I spend on this on this thing, this wild project, patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for being on. And thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> of course. For making this possible. This is super cool. I, I talk so much, I but I wouldn't start a podcast because feel free to edit out anything I have said because I just say so many things and a lot of them don't make sense. Well, oh, well the song doesn't make sense, so it works out perfectly. It's true. Calls <laughs> when I'm alone and it calls when I'm not home and it calls